Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 324 of the Cinema Speak podcast, uh, which also doubles as episode 212 of the Catching Up on Cinema podcast. Uh, today is Sunday, February 26th, 2023, and my name is Trevor. And my name is Brad. What? <laughs> and on today's episode, we are doing a review of Rob Cohen's The Hurricane Heist. Uh, we've also got a few micro-reviews to close things out, uh, but thanks everybody for downloading, listening, and tuning in. And uh, this last part of this intro, Brad, it, dear listener, this is not my intro, so if I'm botching <laughs> things along the way, that is why. This is the CinemaSpeak template for the intro, so I'm kind of like reading off a little note that I wrote down here. But this last part, man... <laughs> This last part of the intro, Brad, I'm, I'm sorry, this goes totally contrary to my nature. This is probably going to be the f- a first in the history of catching up on cinema, but <clears throat> Brad, how are you doing, man? <laughs> what is new? I am doing great. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, there, there's not much new for me to say here, but it's very exciting to be collaborating with you on this and having kind of you in the driver's seat. This is fun. Like now, I, I get to experience, uh, you know, what I put people through every single week. Like I get to experience the anxiety of being called on, and uh, I mean, this is this is just great. <laughs> well, to to clarify, I'm not entirely in the driver's seat, um, listeners. Uh, in case you hadn't noticed, uh, we do have some drops uh, popping in from time to time. Uh, Brad uh, is the man. He is the man manning the console. Um, and I have given him carte blanche uh, to deploy whatever drop whenever he sees fit. Oh! So just keep that in mind as we go through things. So if I start to get on Brad's nerves, expect a shit ton of really salty drops to, to pop in here. Um, but yeah, a- asking our guests uh, how they've been and how they're doing is... is I'm from Seattle, man. I was born and raised here. We are known for being polite, but not not especially friendly. So that that's a that's got to be a first in the history of this program. Yeah, I mean it's uh, a little bit of a you know thing where it could probably like that sort of intro, like how you doing with that could probably honestly be cut. But I do like it in terms of it gives you a little bit of uh, one if you've caught on and started listening enough. It does give you a sense of like, oh, okay, I get to know these people kind of a little bit in their real lives. Um, So that's kind of why I've kept doing it. Although uh, 95% of the time will say, oh, what's new with you? And uh, nobody's got anything new to say. (laughs) (laughs) But we got we've done it for nearly 300 episodes. So we got to stick to it. All right. That's part of the charm of of your show, of the Cinema Speed podcast, though, is that the vast majority of your guests are, are close personal friends of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of ways, the podcast just seems like an excuse to like kind of hang out and catch up and stuff. So it's it's kind of nice to have that continuity to like check in with your guests because you have them on a on a fairly standard rotation, and and it is cozy from a listener standpoint. So I, I like that you have it in there. It's just it's just not for me, man. Because yeah. honestly. I really don't care. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I don't me. care. <laughs> hey, you set me up for that one. <laughs> Didn't mean to, but that worked out really, really well. Um, but yeah, uh, dear listeners, um, if if this is your first time encountering Brad, um, he is a frequent uh, collaborator with me. Um, we we work together on Tales from the Shelf and uh, catching up on Blu-ray. 
on a monthly basis. Um, but it's it's not often that we have you on a standard episode here. So um, I don't know if you want to give a, a plug here as well as at the back end of the episode, Brad. But um, listeners, just in case you're aware, Brad has a film review podcast of his own called Cinema Speak, and it's pretty fucking swank. So you should definitely check it out. Oh, well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that. Definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cinema Speak podcast, that's that's about all you need to know. I mean, if you uh, listen to this episode with me and Trevor and you uh, are sick of this guy already, then don't check out my show. But if you're thinking, ah, you know, maybe I'll give this guy a poke, well, then, uh, you know, there's lots of content there for you to dig through. Yeah, 313 episodes uh, and counting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, as was indicated uh, wow. in the intro, uh, this episode actually kind of serves, it's it's pulling double duty uh, because Brad is my guest and the theme this month, um, this episode will actually be posted after the conclusion of Guilty Pleasures Month. But, you know, fuck it. I wanted to do another one uh, with my buddy Brad. Uh, so here we are. Uh, so the idea here is that uh, all the guests that we've had on, uh, I've made it a point to kind of emulate the format of their podcast just as, I don't know, a, a fun show of appreciation. Like kind of just, just like clue in our guests as to the fact that it's like, I actually do listen to your show. <laughs> like, I'm not just trying to, like, leapfrog you to get listeners or anything. It's like, I actually do listen to your show. I actually do like it. I actually do pay attention. Um, so I used Brad's intro, and I'll, we're also going to be proceeding through the episode uh, using the rest of Brad's format. So uh, we will wrap things up uh, with micro-reviews. That is, uh, we'll be talking a little about movies outside of the core review, like just things that we've seen recently. Um, but I think it's uh, I think it's this is the natural point where I have to ask the the pivotal question, Brad. What did you think of the Hurricane Heist? Are you joking? Um, well, so the Hurricane Heist, um, I picked this for Guilty Pleasure Month um, because I saw this in theaters actually back in 2018, and I actually did go back and look, and uh, I did give this. This was back when I was doing pretty much mostly solo episodes um back in the early early days of my show i did actually uh discuss it by myself in one of those solo episodes because you know nobody wanted to review the hurricane heist so i talked about it on my own um so i was i've been wanting to revisit it for a while because i remember having a good time with it um but not really knowing if i was just like you know, on something that day or what the deal was, uh, revisiting it now, I'd say I still kind of feel mostly the same way. I like in terms of star rating and everything, I don't think it's going to change. I think in my mind, I maybe over the course of five years, I, uh, built up some moments, uh, as being better than they were when I originally watched them and revisiting them now, I'm kind of like, that's it? That's that's what I was remembering for five years? Um, but I still think it's kind of a fun, dumb B-movie action film. Action film mixed with like a natural disaster movie um, that it doesn't take itself overly seriously, but it doesn't try and be like, uh, you know, ironic about anything. Like, I kind of like that it, it, it plays the premise straight, even though a lot of it is very, very dumb. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I do like the premise and there's just, uh, there's a lot of little touches that 
like watching it again, there's moments where I'm like, this is not good. Why am I? But then there'll be moments specifically little things like uh, two characters taking a piss break in the middle of the action, which that like, that's like a moment where I'm like, I love that. That's amazing. (laughs) So weird. So unnecessary. But you know, you're always thinking, man, these people in these movies, they never uh, stop and go to the bathroom. The hurricane heist, they did. They actually answered that question. So there's a lot of weird little moments that I like about that. But uh, I'm curious about what you thought of the hurricane heist because this was a first time watch for you, correct? Uh, yes, this was a first time watch for me. Um, but this was one that I was very much looking forward to, uh, mostly because Brad had hyped it up for me. Um, he had, he had told me about it and he had teased it. He he teased that we were going to be talking about hurricane heist someday, and I was like, oh, that time is now. I think actually part of part of how the discussion came up initially was I was shit talking Toby Kebble or something. Yeah. And you're like, Oh, I got a Kebble movie for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, because there's this thing that it's, it's a running gag for me personally, that doesn't even make sense anymore given the, the sheer breadth of his filmography. But the running gag for me that I've always kept in my head is like, whenever he pops up, I, I like wince a little bit or I get worried. It's like, yeah. oh no, is this going to be like Ben-Hur? Or is this going to be like Wrath of the Titans or some shit? <laughs> like, every, for some reason, like, movies of questionable reputation seem to follow Toby Kevill, especially when it comes to, like, blockbuster cinema. But like I said, a lot of time has passed since then. Uh, he His filmography has proven to actually be mostly positive rather than negative. Um, funny enough, he seems to have found his calling in the world of uh, performance capture. Mm-hmm. Um, he was fucking Kim King Kong, I believe, in a Skull Island, as well as an actor in the film. Um, and then, of course, I believe he was Koba uh, in the uh, the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Um, and he's excellent in those roles. He's good at playing apes. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but beyond that, I fail I fail to see the beauty of his soul. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say that. <laughs> Yikes. Um, um, but but yeah, I I mostly agree with you that uh, this movie does play it kind of safe, like straight down the middle. But I guess playing it safe is the wrong expression because actually playing it straight down the middle is not playing it safe because mm-hmm. it, it it does take itself very, very seriously. It never, despite being advertised as being the product of a Fast and Furious director, it never goes to the depths of, say, a late-era Fast and Furious film where, where they're winking at you the whole time about how utterly ridiculous everything happening is um no they 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 treat it very seriously and what's more like the dialogue and the characters like everybody is like really showing up and really trying to make something of it and i appreciate it um and not only that uh as you said just the the genre just the collision of genres the uh, the action film like covered with a layer of disaster film is always going to be something that appeals to me i think part of it maybe has to do with growing up in in like the 90s era of action films where it became less about rigging squibs on people and more about putting your action in crazy scenarios and stuff like i'm talking like cliffhanger kind of specifically yeah i i was definitely thinking that if this had come out you know 20 years prior 25 years prior it definitely would have been like a Stallone movie where Stallone would think he's like, you know, really uh, diversifying the characters he plays because he'd be playing a uh, like a meteorologist who fights people. Although, I mean, to be fair, Toby Kebbell doesn't fight people. But if this had come out 25 years ago, 
Stallone would be the meteorologist. He would fight people, but he'd be like, it's different because, uh, you know, I'm a scientist in this one kind of thing. <laughs> you know, it's more different, like, because, like, I got a degree and, like, <laughs> and, like it helps me science the shit out of this stuff, you know? <laughs> Wrong! <laughs> I don't shoot people. I, like, lure them into, I lure them into thunderbolts and shit. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, yeah. Actually, it's really fitting uh, that you bring up Stallone uh, because to to jump from Cliffhanger, another '90s era disaster film, just happens to be Daylight, uh, which just happens to be directed by the same fella, Rob Cohen. Um, that was, you know, the '90s were not kind to Stallone in a lot of ways. Uh, I mean, in terms of box office draw, he still kind of had the juice. Uh, he had a couple of big hits in there, but. I don't know, he seemed to be struggling to find his identity where he was doing, like, comedies and, and more, like, less traditional action films. And Daylight kind of falls into that category as well. But um, do we want to talk about this director? Because, <laughs> listen, we seem to be on a hot streak here at Catching Up on Cinema where it seems like everything we've been talking about lately has some sort of problematic Hollywood entity involved. Yeah, I mean, uh, Rob Cohen... Uh, notable sleazy slime ball who is an absolute tool in the making of documentary for the hurricane. <laughs> this guy's the worst. Oh my God. I mean, I, I, I love the hurricane heist, but uh, this Rob Cohen guy, not only does he suck, but his movie, his, I mean, his track record is not good. Yeah, his his reputation. Um, it's gonna. I'm gonna make a somewhat obscure Star Wars uh, reference here, but uh, Elon Slees Bagano. <laughs> um, you look him up in the dictionary, and that 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 would be Rob Cohen. Not a good guy. Uh, so just so we're just so our listeners are aware, we are aware. Um, we're still talking about the Hurricane Heist, though. Tough shit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, his uh, track record as a filmmaker is it's funky honestly like he does have some good ones um a lot of them veer very heavily into melodrama though um, which is kind of surprising given how straightforward this film is and how self-serious it is um because like in glancing over his filmography i can tell you that dragon the bruce lee story is uh melodramatic trash but it's also shot well and has a nice rhythm to it it's a pleasant watch for the most part and Jason Scott Lee is very uh, charismatic in it. Uh, Dragonheart, uh, any 90s kids out there can probably tell you that movie kind of, it, it's not amazing, but it kind of rocks in its own way. Like it, It's like Braveheart for kids, <laughs> but with the dragon and, and late era Sean Connery, uh, which is always welcome. Um, Daylight, as far as I know, made quite a lot of money. And then uh, there's kind of a, a gap in quality, and then The Fast and The Furious happened in 2001. And funny enough, I almost feel like that's that kind of like marks the decline. Uh, because if you ask me, that franchise, the first chapter in particular, I didn't care very much for. I mm-hmm. saw that when it came out. Um, and I remember renting it, and like the whole family was like, the fuck's the big deal (laughs) um to me anyway and i think a lot of people that friend that franchise really didn't find its footing until the rock showed up like if we're being honest um but how about you brad do you have any takes on uh mr cohen's filmography no just uh i i don't know how this guy has managed to work for so many years without making anything that was actually good um i mean (laughs) like give me credit for you know 
at least the Fast and the Furious created the the enduring characters of Dominic Toretto and Brian and um you know we were introduced to so many classic characters that I I can't even list them all here in that movie um so you got to give it a little credit for that but I agree that the first one is not very good not the worst of the franchise but not not strong um and yeah it's it has not been uh Really, that I've never saw Stealth, never saw Oof. Alex Cross. Oof, uh, that that I I I watched that one pretty recently. That yeah. is straight trash. Brad. Yeah, that's I heard. You want to see some questionable fucking filmmaking? Check out Alex Cross. <laughs> what about Triple X? I never saw Triple X. What about that one? Triple X seemed to be trying to leapfrog like the director's own previous success in the like from the Fast and Furious movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not great. Uh, the sequel I actually own, but for reasons having nothing to do with the objective quality of the film, um, it comes down like exclusively to the cast of Triple X. Uh, the Return of Xander Cage, not not Triple X Two, excuse me. Stay of the Union, featuring Ice Cube, is Triple X Two. Triple X Three, The Return of Xander Cage, is the one I have. Okay, yeah, and uh, it it has Tony Jaa, it has Donnie Yen, it has I think Michael Bisping's in there as well. It has a lot of people in it that I appreciate doing occasionally somewhat cool things, um, and also it has one of the more ridiculous finales you'll ever see in cinema. So it has it has stuff going for it, but none of it has to do with like an objectively quality experience. Yeah, I mean, and watching the making of featurette on the hurricane heist 4k um which i did i did purchase the 4k for this uh i will say obviously people listening won't be able to see this but trevor i don't know if you can see uh my uh 4k came there's a little ding it's probably hard to see but oh i i can see it yeah there's a little ding right there real real bummer because it came on for i think it came on friday and i did watch it friday night and it was like well what am I going to do? If I return it, I'm not going to have to rent this and what? So, I I mean, it's not that bad. And it's the hurricane heist, so I guess who cares? <laughs> um, but the making of uh, documentary on the, the 4K, not bad, but uh, just Rob Cohen. And maybe it's just knowing that he's a piece of garbage. You know, I'm just automatically, like, discounting every, like, thing he says. But he's just, like, the most, like, stock movie director sort of answerer. Like, I'm a storyteller. You know, at the end of the day, if you if we don't have a good story, we don't have a good movie. And the only the most important thing is the characters and just like, like just like the most like like generic answers that you hear from every director in these like no personality. He's the worst. <laughs> no, he really is. Like just looking at his filmography, like I said, 2001, despite the Fast and the Furious going on to be a huge like cultural thing, um that really did mark a distinct decline period because <laughs> stealth is awful. The mummy tomb of the dragon emperor is awful. Um, Alex cross is even worse. The boy next door. I remember seeing commercials for that's the JLo movie. That's like, yeah. kind of like a, I don't know, a, a sexual thriller. Um, I might need to check that out. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of curious, but like without actually having seen interviews with the man, just looking at the fact that he has quite a lot of producer credits, like he he occupied a position of power in Mm -hmm. Hollywood um, beyond just directing films. I I can't help but kind of 
cross my wires a little bit and think of Brett Ratner. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. Also noted sleazebag Brett Ratner. <laughs> Terrible director Brett Ratner. I mean, yeah, yeah. They're, they're kind of in the same they, camp. They both kind of suck. They both wield a lot of power or did wield a lot of power in Hollywood. They, they probably hang out at the same parties. If we're being yeah. Honest. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. <laughs> you might be onto something. But I will say, at least with Rob Cohen, Brett Ratner, I don't think, ever directed anything as good as the Hurricane Heist. Um, maybe Tower <laughs> Heist. Maybe Tower Heist. Wasn't that Brett Ratner? It was. That might be the only thing that's close. <laughs> the only thing these guys can do is heist movies. That's the only thing they can do well. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I remember Tower Heist getting getting some praise when it came out, like minor praise, where it's like it was one of those movies that's like on paper, a lot of people were suspicious of whether it would be worth anything. And then it came out and it was like, yeah, it was, it was all right. There's also like, there's also like some other trivia factoid about that movie that doesn't come to mind at the moment. Uh, maybe I'll have to look it up when we're talking. But there's something about the tower heist. There, there's something important about it. Um, but anyway, the hurricane heist. Apparently, the story goes this is supposed to be uh, titled Category Five at one point. I kind of prefer Hurricane Heist. It's yeah, far more memorable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in the uh, the grand tradition of the uh, disaster film married with an action film, kind of similar to a uh, Hard Rain or um, one that I haven't seen, but is also on on my watch list for nearly identical reasons to the Hurricane Heist, a uh, Geostorm. Mm. Um, I kind of want to watch that because I've heard it's complete crap, but it, it sounds like my kind of crap, if I'm being honest. Um, and then there's also a, a, a another Mel Gibson directed video. I think it's a Lionsgate movie. It looks like a Lionsgate movie um, from like 2020 called like Force of Nature or something. Oh, yeah, like, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw a trailer for it a while back and I was like, you know what? That looks like crap. That looks like my kind of crap. <laughs> I think when that came out, I said, this could be this year's Hurricane Heist. I think. <laughs> <laughs> Brad, if yeah. you become a professional movie critic or something, you need to find a way to work the Hurricane Heist into all of your taglines. Yeah. <laughs> Not since the Hurricane Heist has a movie been this intense. That's high praise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do a, do a long-winded review of The Whale and somehow <laughs> work the Hurricane Heist in there. As yeah. a point of comparison, yeah, I could fi- I could figure out a way to work it in for sure, for sure. Yeah, but the one th- one thing that I did have issue with this movie is is how kind of st- how straightforward and sincere it it plays things. Where it's like I kind of needed a little bit more ridiculousness at times, just because I don't know. Like I I think it came down to some of the performers, if I'm being honest. Where it's just like I, I'm getting these episodes with them where I'm supposed to be getting to know them. And honestly, there is some chemistry between the performers. It's not it's not like it's totally lackluster or anything. It's just when you have an action scene designed around a guy throwing hubcaps at people. Yeah. And then you don't really follow it up with anything even remotely close to that. It's like you can't just have that as an isolated moment in your action film. It's like mm-hmm. you need to at that point you need to up the ante. And I'm sorry, a semi-truck chased as your finale, unless it's Black Dog, uh, which, Brad, have you seen Black Dog? I haven't, no. <laughs> okay, that's a guilty pleasure movie of mine that I I didn't make any picks this month, really, like, it, for the most part. I was mostly just trying to match uh, our guest pick, uh, but Black Dog is actually one of mine um, that I, I would have picked if, if it was just me and Kyle reviewing stuff, but unless it's Black Dog... 
a semi a semi truck chase to close out your film doesn't doesn't feel like upping the ante i'm sorry just the agility of those vehicles just doesn't match the excitement and the novelty factor of seeing a guy throw hubcaps at people in a fucking storm yeah (laughs) yeah in terms of like uh ideas around the action that's probably the highlight um although i will say i did like i agree that the you know the semi-truck thing is like it's a little slow but i did really like the moment of them jumping onto the first truck and specifically the uh second brother having to get out and the the uh what's the name of the um they keep they have a name for the um oh that's not actually that they just driving a truck then never, never mind never mind i was thinking about the yeah uh, the, the dominator is the, yes the the meteorologist vehicle yes but this one they're just driving a truck but then him getting out to jump onto the semi truck and then you know the accelerator nothing being on it so this truck slowly uh falling back and the the gap getting wider and wider um that was that was a pretty effective moment i really i really like that uh that moment that jump um but i agree after that it's kind of slow and it's a little like it it almost goes a little i don't know it's almost like a little too just like the way that the truck gets sucked up and everything and the way that um the one character is dispatched with the the trailer falling directly on him and i don't know it just feels a little a little lame yeah if i'm being honest that did feel kind of lame because you knew you knew the storm was gonna have to get somebody like like have to really get them you know because they, they spent a decent amount of time hyping it up like it's a fucking t-rex or something or it's like if, if the storm doesn't get anybody at the end of the movie then we're not doing it right so it has to happen but then when it actually happens the choreography of it the execution of it it's like oh well i mean that could have been better. I mean, it's a bit like, of a wet noodle. It's a bit of a wet noodle for sure. Precisely, yeah, very much a wet noodle, and it doesn't help that from the first scene, this movie is directly drawing comparisons to a far better uh, disaster film, environmental disaster film, in the form of Twister, where our opening scene is virtually identical to Twister, which was you know a cultural event. It was a huge blockbuster film from the nineties. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to compare your Storm film to fucking Twister because Twister's going to beat your ass. That opening is pretty horrible, too. I mean, a lot of it is just like the the performances and the the kids. But when I started watching this, I was cringing. I, I was halfway through that opening scene. I thought about texting you and being like, abort, abort. We're picking a new movie. This is not a pleasure. This is not pleasurable for me. Um, but I will say, uh, the way that the dad just gets rolled over by that, uh, like silo or whatever that I did like, there's like, there's just little touches throughout this movie that just, you know, it just keep me pulling through and it's not high art or anything, but you know, that's just like, instead of getting sucked into the storm, he just gets flattened by the silo and his kids are just watching like, that's fucking metal, man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, actually, it's funny that you're being critical of the opening because I, I actually wasn't. I, I was kind of like, oh, I'm fucking in because because <laughs> of how because how ludicrous the the opening yeah. was. Because, uh, folks, I need to like paint a picture for you. So, like, we have a couple of kids who I'm fairly certain are doing their best to do an Alabama accent, accent, and they're not they're really 
they're really struggling. So bad. So bad. <laughs> One kid looks like he has a bad dye job in his hair, so he's probably just pissed. He, they probably fucked it up, and, like, the bleach has, like, seared his scalp, so he's, like, in pain <laughs> the whole time he's trying to do this performance. And then the dad's like, shut the fuck up, kids! Read your football playbook! <laughs> like, parenting. Yes. Um, but not only that, it's like they're driving around, and I'm looking out the windows, Brad. I'm looking out the car windows, and there's a storm going on. I'm, like, looking at the vegetation. I'm looking at the grass, and then they pull up to that house. I'm like, I think I know where we are. Like, geographically, I think I know where we are. This is this is my home, Brad. This is this is my stomping ground. This is my backyard. This is my house. Bulgaria. Mr. Worldwide. <laughs> Certifiably Bulgarian grass. I don't know what it is, Brad. I've seen so many direct-to-video fucking action films from Lionsgate. I, I, I smell it. I know Bulgaria, where it's like that grass, it has kind of a grayish vibe to it. It's a little gnarly in a specific kind of way. And that farmhouse, I'm pretty sure, has been in at least five (laughs) movies I've watched in the past five years. Probably where they shot the finale of Rambo, Last Blood. Can't be sure. Pretty sure. (laughs) I was like, oh, shit. We're filming in Bulgaria. We got kids that can't even fucking fake a southern accent. And then the dad eats shit. And, like, my editor's brain is thinking, like, wouldn't it be great to put a fart sound when the, when the farm silo hits him? Just a... <laughs> and then the icing on the cake, man. Yes! It's just in time with it rolling over him in front of his kid. But the icing on the cake... The skull in the clouds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the skull, the skull face in the clouds. <laughs> oh my god! I was like, wow, they went there, they did it. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was cringing pretty hard personally watching all that. Um, I mean, I, I can kind of like, you know, the skull in the clouds. It's a little on the nose and everything, but you know, if you're looking at it like, all right, this is from the viewpoint of a young child all right i'll i'll give it even though i'm still yikes yeah um but speaking of bulgaria just in the making of featurette on the 4k i I forget who it is but just the way they kind of set it up somebody might have been rob cohen for all i know says like we were looking all over for the perfect place to film the hurricane heist and we finally found it in bulgaria like just like like oh this was the only place where we could film it It had nothing to do with tax write-offs or anything like that this is just where it was meant to be this is always where it was meant to be that that's hilarious to to be so brazen and to say like yeah bulgaria was my first choice yeah. like, <laughs> i had scouts scouring the globe i think I <laughs> bulgaria think was the only place we could have made this film i think it's maggie grace who uh, plays I don't even remember who she plays but you know the female lead in the movie Corbin um, not it, Dallas <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well just she says something like you know it's really great to be in Bulgaria because uh, pretty much the only thing I have around here to focus on is the movie and it's like oh so you, you just there's nothing around you but you're just in the middle of Bulgaria and all you can do is film the hurricane heist I mean yeah I guess that's it's a good work environment I guess yeah, it tells you a little about the uh, I don't know the recreational scene out in Bulgaria. Yeah, <laughs> it's like maybe there's just not there's not shit to do, so we may as well make movies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's funny, it's funny for me seeing this movie and like it's almost like Bulgaria may as well be the the universal backlot for me at this point. 
just because I've seen it so many times. Like the town square, um, where they do a little bit of the car action and the shootout in particular when she's running away uh, from the sheriff and whatnot. Um, I'm fairly certain that's like the same town set uh, that they used in uh, The Expendables 2 uh, for the Chuck Norris sequence. Um, and I've seen it, I have to believe I've seen that at least a couple of other times as well. Could it have been the one in the new Texas Chainsaw? Yes, yeah, yes, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Seems very similar, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank, thanks for calling that out, because yes, 100%. I could see it in my head. Yeah, but I kind of, I do like, like, again, there's a lot of things in this movie that aren't executed well, but I like a lot of the ideas, specifically the idea of this town being totally evacuated because of this hurricane I think is a good idea for this heist and I actually just kind of like the concept of the heist like the idea that it's this town where they have this uh you know what is it is it IRS building or some some government building where they shred money like old money and the idea of these people you know they found a way to hack the shredder or break the shredder so weeks and weeks of this money has been piling up here because they can't shred it. I mean, you'd think at some point they'd, you know, have to give a guy a pair of scissors or something and say, hey, we got we to gotta do something while the shredder's uh, not working. Just start clipping. But uh, I like that idea that they have all this money built up. And uh, also um, the idea later in the film, as, as poorly executed as it is, the sheriff who does the heel turn and ends up he's the sheriff's in on it which is kind of like all right but i do like his uh his speech and his reasoning where he's like i've been in this town for 30 years and i just see all that money come in here and go to waste i'm sick of it <laughs> like, i'm like i kind of like that <laughs> i like that that's kind of a clever idea like he's yeah after watching p- probably billions of dollars come through your small town you probably would be like what the hell are we doing here <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to, to quote Paulie from Rocky, you, you owes me. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, hey, Uncle Sam, you owes me. Um, yeah, actually, uh, I, I liked... That was one thing that was really interesting about this movie that feels like in a different movie, it would have, I don't know, more depth to the theming. Like, it's an interesting idea that all the actors are game. Like, they work with the material they have, but the movie isn't designed to, to really grapple with the material to the extent that you could have uh, because really the 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 setup for the heist is kind of interesting where where it is supposed it's framed as a victimless crime mm-hmm. where it's like this money is intended for liquidation it's going to go out of circulation therefore it doesn't belong to anyone because it's not supposed to exist anymore even the initiation of the heist is non-lethal like everybody participating in it makes a concentrated effort while under fire, by the way, to not kill anyone. Yeah. And it's it's only through several hiccups in, in, in the heist that eventually they get unhinged and things go too far and they get out of hand. It's really interesting that they frame it that way, where they start out things and it's very civilized. It, it, it has actually some logic backing it. And then it just kind of descends into chaos but unfortunately not quite enough chaos if you ask me yeah i mean i also think it it is kind of weird and almost kind of dated in the fact that like the movie's called the hurricane heist and generally with a heist movie you are usually on the side of the people who are committing the heist like you want the heist to take place in this one we're 
on the side of we're trying like our protagonists are the people trying to stop the heist. So it's kind of weird that, you know, it feels like with just a few tweaks, you could easily make it where like, and it feels like almost I like if this movie were to come out now, I mean, this movie's only five years old, but it just feels like you wouldn't have these people who are trying to steal money from, I mean, there's essentially stealing it from the government, but also it's, you know, it's like going to waste. You would think that they would be the protagonists. Um, and then ultimately it's not, but it is kind of weird that, yeah, like our heroes are, uh, pretty much they're two two government employees and uh mechanic um so it does kind of feel like i don't know like gets a little bit where they're trying to ha- say something about i don't know like government waste i guess but they don't really don't really go too far with that <laughs> maybe for the best i mean they don't really need that in this movie <laughs> yeah it, it is very surface level but there is potential uh that is it goes unexplored but like it it doesn't the movie just isn't in a position to explore any deeper than skimming the surface but yeah um it it's interesting how this how you easily could have flipped the script like f- filmed the the movie with a different perspective like like framed the the participants in the heist as the protagonists and probably it may have ended up being a more compelling story honestly um, yeah. it, it would have been much more serious i imagine um, it would have probably had like a dog day afternoon or like a John Q kind of feel to it where it's like they they start out trying to do something and then they get trapped and they get stuck in it. Um, I, I don't know exactly what kind of movie that would have ended up being. Um, but yeah, I, I actually could see you trying to execute that version of the movie and actually having it turn out be pretty compelling. Yeah, I mean, I'd be down for that. Although I do have to say um, one of my favorite aspects of the movie is is it ralph or is it rafe einson do you know the uh guy oh. who plays the villain uh i've always said it ralph ralph um, it probably is ralph it's the guy from the vich yeah and i i like him a lot in this as the villain i think he's uh, honestly watching this movie i'm kind of like not that he's like a big star or anything but i'm like man how'd they get him to do this <laughs> that's kind of my reaction because i uh maybe just knowing him from the witch and he's been in some, you know, quality stuff, uh, seeing him in this, it's like, Oh, I feel like he's a little above this material. Yeah. I kind of got that vibe as well. And, and in fact, like from a casting standpoint, this, this movie is, it's not a shit show. Like they, they have some quality actors here. Um, he's probably the standout. Uh, just overall like he he's the one that stood out the most uh, he he has the most interesting line deliveries it helps that he sounds like he's burping every time he's talking um, <laughs> <laughs> he actually flattens out his accent a little bit which um actually comes across pretty effectively um and he is an intimidating screen presence um i like the journey that his character makes like he actually has an arc where he starts out pretty reasoned um and and trying his best to not go off the deep end but then by the end he's you know a complete psychopath and he's just like seething through his teeth like he becomes a snarling beast pretty much towards yeah. the end I, I actually would have liked a little bit more of that like him flipping tables and shit yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah i agree i did like uh, at the at the very end when uh, he loses all his money in the hurricane and he turns around and he screams at the hurricane and he goes damn you <laughs> <laughs> 
That is a great moment. It's yeah. like, wow, you, you know you've lost it when you're yelling no! at the fucking wind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, um, Toby Kebbell, he he shows up. He's actually somewhat charming in this movie. I will give him that. Mm-hmm. His interplay with Maggie Grace is actually pretty good. I like that uh, they put enough uh, Star Trek esque techno babble in there um to like make it feel like some of the science might be genuine i don't know i don't know meteorology but i I did like that he gets a couple of instances where he gets to talk about the science and the storms Mm -hmm. and yeah his delivery is like it's like rapid fire and has a passion to it that feels genuine where it's kind of like whenever you talk to an enthusiast about their about their thing like they they kind of light up a little bit and they kind of start talking past you a little bit like he has he has a couple of those episodes that was like you know that was kind of neat maggie grace on the other hand i don't know what it is about her but there's a thing that i I very seldom consider in acting that it it kind of makes itself known whenever i watch her performances but believability it's not something i ever think about honestly but with her it's like i don't believe you (laughs) you're done (laughs) yes like like whatever it is you're trying to do whoever it is you're trying to be i don't buy it (laughs) yeah Yeah. when she says copy that i'm like oh no (laughs) and she's like trying to deepen her voice a little bit like it's it's not a bad character it's just something about her like maybe it's me having sat through all three of those taken movies and her like trying to act several years younger than she actually is like some of the acting she did in that first one is straight up embarrassing yeah and weird if we're being honest and then uh i remember her on that californication show where she's supposed to be like a a, a sexy muse for like musicians and authors and stuff and she kind of has this like cold detached kind of personality i'm just like no <laughs> like I, I just i just don't buy it like it's, i hate this kind of <laughs> i don't know do you have any feelings on maggie grace yeah i mean i'm not like the biggest fan of her she's had a weird career too um yeah i know i think she started her career pretty much from lost she was on Ooh. the first two seasons of lost um so i kind of she gets a little bit of a free lost pass for me as does everybody on that show um but i i think uh in that show she's cast as like sort of like this uh you know, like L.A. Orange County princess role, and I think she's quite good at that. Um, I forgot she was in the Taken movies, but I have seen her in a few things where she has lately been, you know, kind of being a bit of an action heroine star. And yeah, I don't know. She's just uh, she's not bad, but I kind of agree with you that like she's never totally like she never totally fits in the role. That's kind of my feeling is like you can you can put her in basically any role and and the movie will move on without her. But I, I've just never really seen her do that thing that like really resonates or anything. But speaking of Lost alum, uh, Alex Cross has Matthew Fox um, in a very over the top role. So if you want to see uh, one of your Lost buddies uh, turn in a shit performance <laughs> in a shit ass movie. Uh, go ahead and check out Rob Cohen's Alex Cross. That's one I've been meaning to see for a while because of him. He is the main reason I want to check that movie out. <laughs> he is the main reason to check that movie out because Tyler Perry is he's sleepwalking his way yeah. through that movie. That's actually a big part of why I wanted to watch that movie is I was just curious if he could do it. 
was like because Tyler Perry is he's physically a large person, but I've never read like tough from him. Like he he just doesn't project that that air of I don't know menace or, or he doesn't use his size in that way. So I was just curious, can he play like a hard boiled detective type? And no, he he can't. <laughs> now no. I know, and now I never have to watch Alex Cross ever again. <laughs> yeah, he did have. Uh, he was good in Gone Girl. I mean, he was no surprise. David Fincher knows how to use, you know, somebody's if he's gonna ca- if David Fincher is gonna cast you in his movie, he he's gonna cast you well. Like he's gonna know how to use you. <laughs> I mean, oh yeah, no, he 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 used him very very well in that film. I really liked that movie in general, but yeah, Tyler Perry was very good in that. Um, but uh, as far as the other cast members go, I'm sorry, I need to derail us for just one second because I need to. Uh, we talked about Bulgaria earlier. Um, so I have a special connection with Bulgaria through through seeing it exclusively through shit-ass movies. Um, <laughs> I also have uh, a particular attachment to one uh, Scott Adkins. Um, it just so happens that there are a couple actors in this film who I presume have shot in Bulgaria with Scott Adkins at least once, at least one apiece. Yeah. Um, so I'll point out that... Uh, brother breeze uh his name is breeze his birth name his government name is breeze uh is played by ryan quantin um who is an australian actor uh who is in a scott adkins film like one of his most recent ones called section eight um I, other than that i have zero connection to ryan quantin um but in addition to that we also have ben cross uh, who is a veteran, I believe, British actor. Um, he's actually probably the most accomplished actor in the movie, aside from Ralph Ineson. Um, he was in Undisputed 2, uh, in kind of an important acting role. Um, and it was, it's kind of fun seeing him here, like, hamming it up, and try again, trying his best to throw on an Alabama accent. I don't exactly know what the fuck this was, but, but he was having fun with the material, and Brad... This is a stretch, so I, I totally understand if you just want to say, I, I don't see at all what you see. But in his final scene in the movie, when he's delivering his speech about how, how this town fucked him over and how he's tired of seeing these money trucks come through town and he, he wants a piece of that. Um, when he's got his arm in a sling and he's he's like backed up by all the other sheriff's department people and stuff, he's got his eyes all bugged out and he, he's really unhinged because he, he's been shot He's been in the rain. He's real fucking tired. He's been in a car crash as well. Chevy Chase. Like, like, like he was carrying a lot of Clark Griswold energy in that scene specifically. I can kind of see it. Sure. I can kind of see it a little bit. Yeah, now, now that you mention it. Yeah, it didn't come into my mind, but... Something to do with the eyes and the hairline and the fact that he is just so far gone like he has completely lost his shit yeah yeah it's the unhinged at the end of vacation movie chevy chase yes. kind of yeah, yeah 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 no that that, that track he, he's pointing a gun he's pointing a gun at john candy yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah could have been uh i mean ben cross was great but i mean chevy chase could have uh could have been great in the role also well, you know, I, I've said this many times on my show on Catching Up on Cinema, but um, I have this particular fascination with seeing people who don't do action do action. And I hate to say it, as much of a scumbag as he is, seeing Chevy Chase do like a protracted hand-to-hand fight sequence or something, like a like a Bourne-style fight sequence or something, is something that I, I would love to see. 
him and like John Lovitz or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Cast them as two villains in a in an action movie of this type, and I mean, I'd 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 be there. I'd buy a ticket. Yeah, I mean, for fuck's sake, we had uh, Albert Brooks in a Drive be a, a scary fucking villain. Yeah, like, like you, you give actors, like actors are actors, man. They do shit, and you know, Chevy Chase is going to give you a hard time the whole time. But hey, if you put him in an action heavy role, you get to have the stunt crew rough him up in between takes and stuff. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. <laughs> it works out for everybody. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think we need to quick talk about the star of the movie. We haven't even talked about the star of the movie. And that is the hurricane. Stand back. There's a hurricane coming through. (laughs) (laughs) Which, uh, thank you for that drop, by the way. Appreciate that. You're very welcome. Um, welcome. Which, you know, is obviously very uh, over the top. And um, there, there is a piece of trivia on IMDb. Let me see if I can pull it up here real quick about the hurricane specifically. And, uh... It says here in the trailer, and I think they even say this in the film, maybe not 600, but 500. It says in the trailer, viewers are told the heist is planned during the monstrous hurricane that is pushing 600 miles per hour. The highest sustained wind speed ever recorded in a hurricane on Earth is 215 miles per hour during Hurricane Patricia in 2015. So they're up in these numbers by at least double, maybe triple. Um but it's a pretty and i'm i'm kind of glad they went as big as they did but it's a pretty it's it's a beast it's a beast <laughs> yeah it it it's nice that it, it like progresses throughout the film and uh, to to the production's credit uh, they do maintain like the the threat level of the storm itself like that's important if you if you're trying to do an environmental disaster movie coupled with an action film you need to have a healthy balance of demonstrating that people with guns are dangerous, but, you know, just being outside is potentially more dangerous. Um, so, like, for instance, you have things in, like, Cliffhanger where an avalanche is used to kill somebody and a, a stalactite is used uh, to help Stallone impale uh, Madonna's ex-boyfriend. Yeah. <laughs> but in this one, they kind of do that, too, where just just venturing out outdoors is a hazard unto itself and i really like the small attention to detail in the form of the acting performances where not everybody dies in the storm but the people who are out in it whenever they're back indoors they they don't look happy yeah like they look like they got the shit kicked out of them like there's that one hothead character who has one of the most punchable faces i've ever seen um in fact i had to look him up because his face was so punchable that i was like I, I had to have seen him get punched in something else. Um, I had not. I, I was surprised. Uh, Jamie Andrew Cutler is his name. Um, and apparently, Brad, uh, he had a role in your previous episode uh, in Quantumania. Really? Um, yeah, he played a character named Zolum. Uh, I don't know who that is. I, I mean, I know Marvel shit. I don't know all of the Marvel shit. But yeah, apparently he had a small role in that film. Um yeah, not ringing any bells. <laughs> I, I don't know him, but he, he has a very punchable face, and he's really irritating throughout the film. He gets a really cool death, I'll give him that. Um, but I did like that, like, he gets, like, caught in that, like, tidal wave in the in the greenhouse or whatever. And then when he makes it back to the, the treasury warehouse or whatever, like, he's got a limp, and he doesn't want to talk to anybody. 
He just he just looks like he's had the worst fucking weekend. <laughs> and even Ralph Innocent, like like his his posture, he just he looks like he's weighed down by like a hundred pounds of just like wet leather coat, and he he looks miserable. Um, and they do a pretty good job of demonstrating that the, the hurricane is not pleasant. It, it's very wet. It's very windy. Um, but it it's not until really the very end um that it's like it's like outright gonna kill you as as soon as you step outdoors like when we get to the eye portion of it i guess yeah just a quick update on uh zolem uh that was a uh motion capture non-speaking performance um where he plays a creature with no head so that's why i didn't uh didn't recognize him. <laughs> <laughs> so his performance capture neck down only yeah it's well like, oh we're not even gonna put dots on your face well sir. his head is like this like big like uh like uh, like torch of light or something it, oh. uh, it's but anyway I'm, i don't feel weird that i didn't recognize him having watched back to back it all makes sense now <laughs> well i mean I, I hate to say you see his face it's like oh can we like airbrush that out in cgi <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like kevin feige shows up to the set and's like whoa casting department didn't call me that day <laughs> it's like he's on the set fuck that also i gotta say that there's a very small performance in here that is so bad that it is amazing and it is one of the, the one of the sheriff's deputies it's the guy when they're at the mall you have the guy with the hat, you have the girl, and you have the bald guy. The yeah. bald guy in that scene, his performance is, it's, uh, I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to be mean, but he plays Deputy Baldwin. Or maybe I should say his name because I actually kind of like it. Like, it's like, say so, his name. it's Mark Rhino Smith is his name. And it is such a weird, like, every word that comes out of his mouth in that scene is so weird. And it's just like, it feels like every choice, like, it feels like every choice like an acting coach would say tell you he does the exact opposite in that scene like it's just like every word every line and i kind of like it like it's just like so weird and i actually kind he's one of my favorite parts of the movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah he only has a couple of lines but they're all memory and they're all memorable and it strictly comes down to the delivery um jesus i mean Yes, very much so, but kind of semi-obscure Simpson, Simpsons reference, so I'm sorry if you don't get it, but it, it's very much an up-and-at-them scenario, where <laughs> the line is up and at them, oh, but, but Rainier Wolfcastle, the, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger analog or parallel, he, he can't pronounce, he can't pronounce it correctly, so it comes up, up and at them, <laughs> so, no, up and at them up and at them <laughs> just there's something with the delivery that's a little funky and, yeah. and it may have to do with an accent being covered i don't know um but yeah he only has a couple of lines and the whole time you're just like oh <laughs> yeah now i'm just re- this is uh, not to get off on a tangent here but his name is mark rhino smith on imdb that's his name i'm just reading his biography here quickly uh, it says, Mark first catapulted onto our screens as Rhino in the massive ITV series Gladiators. So did he, was his name always Mark Rhino Smith, or did he adopt the name of one of his characters? Um, 
Yeah, actors sometimes do that. But uh, if we're talking about reading bios, I'm sorry, I need to take a moment to spotlight uh, Captain Face. Uh, <laughs> that guy with the punchable face. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. I just can't get this guy out of my head. Uh, Jamie Andrew Cutler, who portrays Zolom in uh, Quantum Mania, uh, he uh, he went to study the method with its leading practitioner in New York and L.A. He returned to London and studied the Meisner Technique for six years. His teacher was the last student validated to teach the technique by Sanford Meisner. <laughs> like, hey, welcome to the Marvel show. We're not going to show your fucking face. Did you have fun doing all your method training to be a firehead guy? <laughs> I don't care! Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what Kevin Feige said when he said, like, when he's trying to negotiate for a bigger role in the movie. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, that's good. Yeah, I did like that scene in the mall, though. Uh, that was cute with the the pressure inversion or whatever when they they suck everybody out of the building. Yeah, I like it conceptually. I will say. You know, for for a mid budget action film, I actually think the film like the, the effects are not too shabby. Um, yeah. But I will say in that sequence with them, like just the physics of their body in the air was a little off. I will say that was another cringy moment. But I do like that idea conceptually, um, even though it is kind of funny because our buddy Mark Rhino Smith, he uh, like he could have had a tether on because the idea is that they. Uh, like I don't totally understand the science of it, but with the atmospheric pressure in the mall, they shoot out the glass ceiling and it sucks everything out. Um, so Toby Kebbell and Maggie Grace are wearing these harnesses, and so then all the bad guys aren't, and they get sucked into the air. But uh, Mark Rano Smith, he could have been wearing a harness either way. He gets fucking demolished by like a broken beam, and it's like I mean, that could happen to Toby Kebbell too. <laughs> like, great plan, <laughs> bud. Just raw pink meat everywhere. Raw pink meat. <laughs> I'm so sorry I gave you that. <laughs> Aside from, you know, of course, dropping the N-bomb uh, during a sex tape video, um, that has to be the most vile thing to ever come out of Hulk Hogan's mouth. <laughs> I'm so sorry. What I gave the hell that. was that? Uh, yeah. well, hey, Brad now has that on the board and is here now. to stay. It's there now. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, Rhino Smith gets the uh, he gets the Titanic treatment. Uh, if you remember that iconic moment in Titanic, the propeller guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. As, as as we all remember him, <laughs> doing <Yeah. laughs> he gets that treatment. He gets to hit a fucking steel beam before being sucked into the sky and presumably having the skin ripped from his flesh <laughs> wonderful uh couldn't have happened to a nicer guy <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a very small thing uh there, i have honestly very little to say about this but the the music is done by lauren balf um who actually is, a, is it really a note yeah a noteworthy composer um they they definitely have a lot of credits a lot of quality films under their belt honestly um but I don't know what it was. Something about the tonality of this and the cadences felt like Hans Zimmer's leftovers from the the Man of Steel soundtrack. Yeah, 
like in in particular the the uh the kryptonians music like general zod's kind of dun 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 that kind of shit going on mm-hmm. i mean cuz he is a hans zimmer uh student right he is one he of is. his he is he's one of his lackeys um <laughs> but i will say i didn't actually know that he did the music in this cuz i like lord balf and uh watching the movie i was kind of in the, i agree that yeah it is kind of like you know territory we've already heard a million times but for a movie like the hurricane heist i was actually kind of like oh this score is better than i would have expected for this kind of movie like it actually was adding something to the film it didn't feel like it was just like there like it was adding some intensity to scenes that probably needed that extra punch um so yeah i actually i i kind of enjoyed the score not amazing by any means but uh it totally makes sense now that it's lauren balf i just was shocked that I mean, didn't he do the Mission Impossible movie the same year or something? Like it was pretty close. He's still work. He's still working on the Mission Impossible movies. Yeah. Um. He is. He is a actually a very solid composer. He mm-hmm. has worked on a lot of movies that I don't. I don't care if you only see a couple movies a year. More than likely, you've seen a movie that he's worked on because uh, he he does have a dense filmography of big ass movies. Uh, emphasis on big. He he seems to like largely do blockbuster films. Um, but for the most part, they're all pretty solid scores. Um, so it was kind of a shock uh, to see him listed as the composer for this film. And yeah, you're right. Uh, it's not a terrible score. I do feel like it probably is. They probably did use Hans, Hans Zimmer's trash bin as as their foundation uh, for building some of these tracks. Um, but the way the music's incorporated in the, into the action, it does complement it. It does give it you know some propulsion, some energy. Um, and that that's just the mark of you know rob cohen being a, a terrible human being but a, a competent filmmaker at the very least mm-hmm. um I, I, it's kind of funny because um both Dragonheart and uh the dragon the bruce lee story um have very very famous scores uh, not done by Lauren Balf, obviously but there are just a couple of instances in his filmography of the use of music being like absolutely critical to the overall success of the film so I guess at the very least he understands that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely the the score added to uh, some of these action sequences that are not amazing, but uh, there was an extra layer of intensity because of that. I mean, that what a year. I mean, Lauren Balf doing both the Hurricane Heist and Mission Impossible Fallout in the same year. I mean, I don't... I don't know which one he's more proud to be associated with, but we'll never know for sure. But what a what a year that guy had in 2018. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to interview him, Brad, that's got to be your first question. So, what was it like composing the score for the Hurricane Heist? And he'll, he'll say, <laughs> "What?" You're like on you're like on the red carpet for like Mission Impossible Eight. Mister Mister Bob. Yeah, I'm sure that's that's definitely uh, definitely what he wants to hear. He'll probably he'll probably respond with this. Fuck you, fuck you, thank you very much. Fuck you, go fuck yourself. I mean, you never know. I mean, I, I know some of those like frequent convention guest type actors and and like filmmakers and stuff. They actually kind of relish the opportunity to answer a question they haven't been posed yet. That's true. So you know, isn't it? Sometimes a curveball is welcome. So <laughs> if ever the opportunity presents itself. Anybody who ever worked on the Hurricane Heist, that has to be the first question. <laughs> what was it like working on the Hurricane Heist? Pop quiz, asshole. 
Precise, yeah, that, yeah. That's that's how you have to preface thing. <laughs> Pop quiz, hot shot. <laughs> yeah. Where were yeah. you in 2018? <laughs> it's like I was in Bulgaria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we can say uh, while we're getting into some of the technical credits here, it's shot by. Let me pull up his name here, Shelley Johnson. Shelley Johnson. Who uh, he's done some stuff. I mean, he did uh, Jurassic Park three. Uh, recently did Greyhound, the uh, Tom Hanks, uh, uh, not sub, but like boat movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> and lately, he's been doing uh, a lot of Liam Neeson stuff. He did Blacklight. Oh no, Honest I see Steve. that. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> uh, Honest Thief, Brad. Um, you probably haven't seen it, but. Uh only selling point really is that uh one it has one of the hamilton actors in it so if you're in if you're into that kind of thing i guess that's kind of interesting two um liam neeson does in fact punch jai courtney in the face i think at least twice it's not a protracted brawl or anything but just any opportunity to see that man get punched in the face makes me happy um so that happens and a black light in 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 the, the vast ocean of not so great Liam Neeson movies in the past decade or so, that is apparently like a number one. Like, like that—that's apparently a shit-ass film. Yeah. Um, I—it's such that even I haven't seen it, and I watch virtually all of these. I have Marlowe on my to-do list. <laughs> yeah. I haven't seen The Marksman either, but but I, I'm I'll, I'll get to it eventually. <laughs> yeah, that one was okay. It was okay. Um, that's what it looked like. I will say, uh, I mean, obviously this is a scenario that now will never happen, and I don't know why it ever would, but if for some reason they made a movie about Shelley Johnson's life, uh, and if we were in an alternate universe, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman absolutely would play this guy. I mean, 100% could see it. Really? Yeah. They bear a close resemblance? Oh, yeah. Yeah, give this guy... uh, Give Philip Seymour Hoffman a little goatee, grow his hair out a little bit, and uh, put a hurricane heist uh, hat on his head, and you've got Shelly Johnson right there. Well, we need to wait for this uh, AI technology to catch up a little bit so we can make a <laughs> make a Shelly Johnson AI film. Let's see the ghost, the techno ghost of yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Naughty boy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so what what else we got to say about the hurricane heist? Or are we are we about ready to rate this bitch? Yeah, there's not too much else to say. I guess I would say um, again, love the piss scene, uh, the hubcap scene. I I like a lot. Uh, peanut butter and jelly scene. I I dig I dig that scene as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I love uh, um, when they're just having that conversation and. She goes, "Is this G- is, she- is this Jif?" <laughs> and he goes, "Nah, I'm a skimpy guy." <laughs> Like, I don't think I've ever, I mean, I don't think I've ever shared somebody's PB&J, but, I mean, I guess it would, maybe that would be something you'd bring up and say, All right, is this Jeff or is this, and then the, the the kicker, the amazing kicker, is when she goes, okay, it's Skippy, but this is Strawberry Smuckers, right? And he goes, correct the mundo. <laughs> correct the mundo. I don't care! Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Uh, um, Omaha Red Dog 22. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should probably put that on the soundboard. <laughs> <then>. <laughs> yeah, 
because I never actually figured out what it meant, but they say it so often in the movie. Yeah, yeah. It, it It's also, like, it's such a weird, like, obvious thing where it's, like, right before their father dies, he's like, you boys read up on those football plays. And it's like, okay, all right. I wonder if that's going to come back. Um, well, they kind of botched it, though, because, like, nobody, like, I was expecting somebody to have to, like, throw something yeah. to somebody. Yeah, like, like just some instance of like an object needing to be passed between individuals or something or something in the choreography that felt evocative of football in some way. I'm sorry, semi trucks don't move like people. So like just like watching them weave drunkenly on the road. I was like, is that Omaha Red Talk 22? <laughs> yeah, I don't totally understand the idea of like there. Everybody's going in the same direction, but they're blocking him from getting they're forward. slowing him down. Yeah, yeah. So so he can't get up, he can't accelerate, so he f- drifts backwards and into the storm. Basically. Yeah, I get that. I just don't get, like, if this was an actual football play. Like, you never see two defensemen running forward with the guy with the ball, just slower. Just, like, you know, they're running at, like, you know, it just it doesn't really... <laughs> Making his job harder. <laughs> yeah, it just doesn't really make sense. Um, yeah, no, I didn't get it. It's a fun thing to yell at people, though. Yeah, I, I do kind of like that idea... Not how it's executed, but conceptually, um, the idea of we just have to get in front of him and he's dead. He's he's done. He's done. You're done, son. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. Like, really, that has to be a shit feeling. Like, like just you're no done. Way. Like, I'm I'm not actually being killed by these people, but they're just it's it's just like a couple of like heavy set old people just like walking too slow on the sidewalks. It's like God. Damn it! <laughs> There's a T-Rex behind me. Yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, but I, I did want to jump back to the sandwiches for a second because the the girlfriend could definitely relate to that because she is very particular when it comes uh, to the peanut butter selection. I'm not a I'm not allowed to buy Jif. It, really? It's got to be Skippy. If if I bring Jif into this house, she will know. Even wow. if I like rip the label off or something, she'll be like. Something's wrong. <laughs> like, what's up with this ghetto peanut butter? <laughs> <laughs> but I did like that whole scene. Just the dialogue exchange between both actors felt very natural. And they they had a decent amount of chemistry. You get to see Toby Kebbell nerd out a bit about weather. And you get to see, like, his, his relationship with the vehicle, the Dominator, may as well be fucking bowen and draco from Dragonheart or something <laughs> like it's like a it's like a pet or something like he even has a moment where he's like so happy to see it it survived the storm yeah kind of um it's like a member of the family it's about family it is about family the hurricane heist is all about family <laughs> i mean it's about two brothers it's about the double dragons of, of breeze and willie <laughs> also another great rob cohen piece of wisdom in the making of featurette he's like this is not a movie that has a typical love story. This is a love story between two brothers. <laughs> it's about family. <laughs> it's about family. It's, it's about two brothers, one of whom has a terrible bleach job and one of whom somehow acquired a PhD. I don't, I don't know how this was financed, but he must be a super genius or something. But... Um, the product placement in this movie would have driven uh, my regular co-host on Catching Up on Cinema, Kyle. It would have driven him nuts. Yeah. Because yeah. it is out of control. Um, it, is, it is bold. It is in your face. We get two brands of peanut butter that I'm pretty sure at least one of those brands was probably pissed 
It's like, hang on, you can't mention both of us in the same sentence. You need to yeah. favor at least one of us. It's like, no, we're going to do both. You get smuckers. You get all sorts of automotive things in the background and stuff. Fucking Alienware gets pimped out in this movie. The hackers in this movie have a fucking Alienware laptop. I was like, come come the fuck on. And one of the most plot-critical items in the movie is a fucking iPad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. There's also a very... I, I forget who it is or where it is, but there's a moment in here where... I'm, oh, actually, no. I'm, I think I'm getting it confused with one of my micro-reviews. I think. Oh. Uh, there's a moment in a movie I'm going to talk about in a little bit where a character... Uh, drinks a can of Coke with the label perfectly in view. I don't think that was in here, was it? I don't remember that. Okay, um, yeah. But you, you love to see that, though. Yeah. Like, like you, you love to see it when they got to have the label facing, like, squarely framed in the center of the movie. It's like, <laughs> yeah, that's the stuff. I do kind of want uh, Coke now, though. It's kind of. I mean, uh, shout out to my buddy Bobby. I mean, I mean, that's the he hates product placement too, but that's the kind of one we can all get. Uh, get down with a little coca-cola yeah i'm excited to see what uh bobby's new, what the new hotness coming from bobby's going to be like oh, what, yeah. what's he going to bring you next time because that that's always a lot of fun on the show yeah like the, the tasting sessions always something always something good to get juiced and dance get juiced and dance badly <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> That's that's the Cinema Speak podcast every week, <laughs> dropping on Thursdays, getting juiced, dressing like jerks, getting juiced, and dancing badly in yep. front of the mic. <laughs> no shit. So, Brad, any closing thoughts on the Hurricane Heist? Or are you about tapped? Yeah, I'm pretty much tapped. Uh, it's it's fun for what it is. Not amazing, but I had an okay time revisiting it. Um. I, I saw it in theaters five years ago. It's my, you know, uh, by by decade, or I guess it'd be three times a decade then, if, every five years. I'm just trying to think, like, how, is, you know, what what do you call it where you watch a movie every five years? I don't know. But, uh, uh, fuck if I know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it, so I'll be revisiting this in 2028. <laughs> well, it's it's not terrible. Not at all. Um, and it was kind of fun just to have the opportunity to watch this one. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've officially knocked one of these environmental action films uh, off my to-do list. Uh, Geostorm is is very much at the top now. Uh, it's been like Hurricane Heist is knocked out, Geostorm's in. Uh, so hopefully I can get to that one soon. But um, being as we are proceeding along the uh, Cinema Speak template, uh, I suppose it's time uh, to give a rating. Uh, what would you give the Hurricane Heist out of five stars, Brad? Uh, I'm going to give it the rating I gave it back in 2018, and I will give it a three out of five. I'll give it a three. Okay. That's that's very, very fair. Everything you've said leads... The, the breadcrumbs are in place. Light three. Light three. Just light, let's, light three. let's not light get crazy three. here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think I'll give it a 2.5. Um just, just because I don't have that five-year nostalgia value. <laughs> <laughs> That's high praise. Unfortunately, yes, it is. <laughs> um, um, and also, uh, kind of a weird thing, a uh, very, very small thing, but um, 
you watch this on a uh, 4K. You, mm-hmm. Brad actually, like, you can't see it, listeners, but Brad actually did buy the 4K. I got a ding in the box. That fucking sucks. Yeah. Um, I I ended up renting this digitally, and it was the same price to do UHD as opposed to HD. So I went full UHD, and the color in the movie was super fucked. Oh really? Like, everything was muddy, and there were it was very splotchy. Like there was lots hmm. of like gr- like hazy blues and and weird yellow like barfish yellows like splotched on people's faces and stuff uh not a hitch in the stream but i have to imagine streaming this movie is probably a a not so great way of watching it because it didn't look great um so that is what it is yeah 4k looked all right i mean it wasn't uh certainly not demo disc material but it looked good it looked it looked pretty good yeah i mean it's just a case for physical media over streaming it's, it's just always like hopefully always like for the sake of us collectors hopefully it always will be better in some way mm-hmm. um, i have heard some awful things about trying to watch uh, those game of thrones uh, episodes uh, via streaming as opposed to on disc media um haven't tried it myself but I've, I've heard parts of it are just unwatchable um in particular dark sequences but mm-hmm. um anyway small detail just felt i'd share it so um, i'll tell you all about it Precisely, yeah. I'm here to waste everybody's time, obviously. <laughs> but um, now that we've concluded the uh, the core review uh, for this episode, it is now time to move on to micro-reviews. Um, so if you're not familiar with the CinemaSpeak uh, format, essentially this is where Brad and I will just talk a little about uh, just whatever we've seen uh, recently, uh, other than the hurricane heist. So Brad, uh, what you been watching, man? Well, I'll mention I did a a classic sort of thing where, uh, you know, a new movie is coming out. So you look into your collection and find like a similar movie that you've had uh, collecting dust for a while to do like a little bit of a a ping pong watch almost. Um, And Cocaine Bear coming out or it is out this weekend. Haven't seen it yet. But I said with Cocaine Bear coming out, uh, I need to watch Grizzly Man. Uh, That's Grizzly Grizzly Man. Grizzly, comma man. I watched the movie Grizzly, the Animal Attack movie, <laughs> not the Werner Herzog movie. Not. The, uh... I don't care. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Grizzly, man. Yes. <laughs> Didn't mean to be confusing there. <laughs> um, no, I watched Grizzly from 1976. Uh, I watched the. I don't have the actual case here to show you, but I watched the Severin uh, Blu-ray. Here's the slipcover. Um, And I will say that Grizzly was one I've been meaning to check out for a while. I I and you both like these animal attack movies, these eat-em-ups, as I like to call them. And this one is very clearly, and no surprise, a Jaws ripoff. Um, It's essentially like Jaws in the woods. I mean, there's it's it's so similar um, that it's kind of it it's like. I watched this movie not long ago called Blades, and it was a movie about uh, a killer lawnmower on a golf course that was like a parody of Jaws. Um, this is like one step below that, where it's like so similar to Jaws that it's like, is this like, is this a joke? But um, it's not great. Uh, it's directed by a guy named William Girdler, who has has he had a great name. Uh, sadly, he he died at a very young age. Um, in a helicopter crash, I guess, uh, only a few years after this movie came out, um, which makes it kind of like there's a lot of helicopter moments in this movie, and it's kind of like, it was like, you know, I was cringing a little bit on that. But um, uh, 
it's it's a little slow. Grizzly is. The kills are pretty good. They're they're gory at times. Um, you like for example, you do get to see a kid get killed. Um, similar to you know, like in Jaws, the the kid gets killed. Um, this one is kind of right at the end of the second act, Babies! where this baby gets killed. Um, but you, it's pretty violent. Like it's a, it's a very quick shot, but um, the grizzly rips the kid's leg off and everything. Like it's pretty, uh, it's pretty fucking metal, man. <laughs> um, but then they do the classic thing of like you know, there's the POV of the grizzly. There's the uh, the score is a very obvious Jaws knockoff. Not bad, but just very obvious that it was you know ripping off of Jaws. And they do the thing of like slowly showing more and more of the grizzly. Um, but it is kind of funny how you know at the end of the movie they don't really ever have anybody like they have like a real bear that they shoot, but they never really have anybody interacting with it. Obviously, um, so it it almost kind of feels in some ways like. It's like borderline, like just using. It's not, but it kind of feels like stock footage because it feels like, you know, the grizzly is in no way, shape, or form anywhere near any of these people. Um, but it is funny in the moments where they have to show people interacting with like the grizzly to a certain extent. Where um, early on, there's a moment where uh, a woman is like, uh, she's a park ranger, and this is after people have already gotten killed. So they're going into the woods to try and find a body or look for the grizzly. I don't totally remember. But, you know, they, she splits up with her partner and she decides, ah, I'm going to go for a swim. As you do when you're on call as a park ranger. You, uh, you, you know, take off your uniform and she does leave her, you know, undergarments on. But, you know, she goes for a swim. Why not? Right? She's on the clock. Who cares? Um, and she's like up like in the like waterfall area of the um, the pool that she's diving into and this like grizzly arm comes out from behind the water and like grabs her in a chokehold and like pulls her in and it's like I don't think that's how bears attack people but I kind of like it um <laughs> so there's there's some goofy stuff there um this is the movie that had that coca-cola product placement um but it's it's okay it's a little boring um I did like the guy who played the uh, Brody character, um, Christopher George, who this guy's been popping up in everything. Me and uh, my buddy Santino just reviewed Graduation Day. He's in that. He's in City of the Living Dead. This guy is like the B-movie, like, 70s and 80s king. I'm, this is becoming one of my favorites. And he's pretty good in it. I, I like him in it. Um, I mean, not to spoil the movie, but the end of the movie, they blow up the grizzly with a bazooka. So I mean, <laughs> yes, <laughs> if that doesn't sell you on it, then I don't know what will, but it's okay. It's not amazing. Uh, it just feels a little slow. Like just everything in between the grizzly attacks is not great. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, tried to watch that one, uh, a while back. Um, when I briefly had a shutter subscription, I forget what the occasion was. Um, uh, it was, it was for a review, but um, my subscription lapsed, um, and I never got around to finishing it. And a big reason for that was that Grizzly, while I wasn't completely bored by it, and it does actually have some pretty gory kills for the for the genre and for the era, um, it is it is like a seventies ass seventies movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it has a very laid back vibe to it, and like 
the, the like the workplace drama bullshit going on in the first half of the movie i was just like oh my god like like this, this feels this feels like daytime television with these grizzly attack interludes every like every so often mm-hmm. um i think i think the waterfall kill may have been the last one i got to see i definitely got to see the two hiker gals uh eat shit yeah um i definitely saw the waterfall kill but it was sometime around then that i i, I just stopped it and unfortunately i lost my shutter subscription i just never got around to finishing it but when you mentioned a a fucking bazooka uh being deployed at the end of that one uh my mm, kind of interested uh, that's another drop i gotta get you. Uh, yes i gotta get you uh sean william scott in a uh, old school yes <laughs> <laughs> that it's would like... get a lot of use there'd be a lot of use for that i yeah. i would hope so it's, it's very useful on a lot of occasions but um sounds like it's not terrible sounds like you had some fun with it yeah yeah it was it was watchable uh there is just kind of a one funny thing I just want to mention um, made me laugh. You know, you got the character who is like the park uh, supervisor. He's like the head of the park and he's like, you know, the mayor in Jaws where he's like, oh, this is all overblown. We're not going to shut it down. And like there's a point where there are like four or five bodies deep at this point, And the bear expert says, listen, this is a grizzly. And they usually don't get grizzlies in this area. So that's why it's like notable that it's a grizzly. And he's like, this is a grizzly. This is a big grizzly. And the park supervisor guy goes, no way is this a grizzly. You are full of it. And it's just like, who who cares if it's a grizzly or not? Five people are already dead. Like, who cares what it is? Like, this thing is mowing people down. doesn't matter what kind of bear it is. Let's, let's fucking go. Let's kill this thing or something. I do love in, in these animal attack movies, in these eat em up films i do love when they get to talk about the the animal like it's steven seagal like you always have to have that scene in the movie where it's like it's a killing machine <laughs> it's like you'll never beat him rock he's a wrecking machine yep. like yep. You, you have to have that moment but um yeah i mean it was uh it was worth checking out not amazing uh by any means um but yeah good good one to finally cross off the list yeah, how was the disc? Because I, I actually don't think I have any Severin. Uh, the disc, I mean, it looks okay. Uh, the, like, the print they used is a little dated, I think. Like, it's not, like, an amazing-looking transfer or anything like that. Um, but it it's all right, and I didn't dig into any of the special features, but I do think there's a pretty, pretty good list of stuff on there. I, I'll have to dig into it more, but I think there was quite a bit. Yeah, that sounds like a decent package overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um. As for myself, um, I have a lot of things. I've actually watched quite a lot more movies than I normally do, largely because we've been doing a lot of two and sometimes three movie reviews on the show uh, the past month. So um, most of what I've been watching is for the podcast. Um, So I'm actually going to gloss over quite a lot of that. Um, There's just no need. If you want to hear about it, you can listen to the other episodes. Um, But um, I guess the, the... like the first one that comes to mind as being worth talking about um, is I watched uh, and actually bought Blind Bot um, Project Wolf Hunting um, from 2022. Uh, this is a uh, Korean film. Um, what? Was getting. <laughs> I know, I know. I, unless you know, how would you know? Um, it's a it's a Korean movie that uh, it was getting some positive buzz on on the internets uh in circles that that i tend to hang out in uh so a lot of uh like 
Asian film enthusiast circles and also uh, a little bit of horror. Uh, it, it is tinged with horror, although not it's not an especially horrifying film, although it is extraordinarily bloody. Um, I wouldn't say super, super gory, um, but just the amount of fluid spilt in this film um, is remarkable. Uh, absolutely, it like you can't take that away from this movie. Uh, there is quite a lot of the red stuff all over this fucking movie. Um, and another thing I'll, I, I, I need to emphasize, that it, it always needs to be said, um, Korea knows how to do villains. Um, it's something that you don't, like, I feel like it, it's harder to come by in American cinema these days, especially like blockbuster cinema, where there's this this need to treat villains as being not outright villainous, but people with a different perspective, I guess. Um, I've always said that about like superhero movies in particular, where producers probably are cognizant of the fact that every character is potentially someone's favorite. Therefore, it's in your best interest to leave the door open for them to be likable from a certain point of view. Like they have, they have maybe maybe a questionable agenda or something. But if you if you skew things a little bit, you can understand where they're, where they're coming from. Korea doesn't do that. Korea is like, no, these are these are fucking demons. Like these people are monsters. There, there is no, there's no reasoning with them. They are just outright animals. Like they, they are bad motherfuckers. <laughs> and like, no, you're not naughty boy. Friend. Precisely, they specialize in naughty boys. Korea knows how to put naughty boys on film. Um, and there are a couple of bad guy performances in this movie that it's a very that. The bar is very, very high for, for Korean cinema, but they do have a couple of outstanding villain performances in this. Um, unfortunately, the movie itself, uh, I feel like the structure of it is a little funky. There's like some of the pacing, uh, some of the introductions of ideas and characters feels uh, maybe premature. Like I actually would have appreciated being kept in the dark as to what was going on and who, like who was doing what. I would have liked to have had been more confused for longer, um, because I actually came into this movie not knowing anything about it other than it's really fucking bloody, um, and I got that out of it. The entertainment value from that was, you know, you can't take that away from it. But like a lot, like a lot of I don't know, mid budget. Uh, movies of this ilk uh, it, it overcomplicates things it gets in its own way where it's like ah oh, man if you just kept it simple stupid like k-i-s-s motherfucker K just keep it simple stupid if they had just done that it i i would have really really enjoyed this but then like the plot it keeps expanding and it like there's there's conspiracies and shit and it's like oh man like why did you have to do that why couldn't you've just the movie takes place on a, a like a, a tanker ship if you just kept it on the fucking ship, if that was all that we had to work with, it would have been a super awesome movie. Um, but it, it over it overcomplicates things. It pulls the lens too far back. It introduces too many characters way too late and occasionally too early. Um, and as such, it's like I gave it a 3.5, so I didn't hate it or anything. Um, it was just a little frustrating because like, just I would not have chosen to do things if, if I was in charge, but I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not in the film industry, but that, that's just my take. But yeah, if you're in the mood for some bloody action, um, real bloody action, <laughs> uh, maybe check it out. <laughs> I like the idea of it. So is it not all set on a ship though? Like, is it just like, that's the setup and then eventually it is 
like we never leave the ship until okay. like until a certain part of the film but we start cutting away from the ship okay and we start we start dealing with characters who aren't present um and they start having a bearing on the events taking place on the ship okay. so it's like if we had kept it as an isolated thriller um i i would have preferred that um and yeah the, the like the conspiracy angles and stuff i was like you know maybe maybe don't start talking sequel before you've even reached the last reel of the, of this movie come on it, stop yes exactly man like that that's where as soon as i caught a whiff of that i was like oh is that what we're doing we're, we're already setting shit up for the next one even though i haven't even finished watching this one it's like you're not it's, this isn't a fucking marvel movie this is called project wolf hunting and Brad's never heard of it. No, no, not at all. How do you plan to get a sequel if Brad hasn't heard of it? Yeah. <laughs> I will say... Cinema Speak Podcast, 300-something episodes deep. Brad's not heard of it. You're doing it wrong. Yeah. We are the... If if we haven't heard of it, then uh, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. But I will say that um, I did look up some images, and the guy with, like, the stitches on his eyes, like... I mean, I don't want to sound like a broken record here, but that's it's pretty fucking metal. <laughs> it it is pretty fucking metal. Um, he is pretty fucking metal, and the things that he does are pretty fucking metal. Um, but like, not to spoil everything because Brad already spilled the beans. There is a person with stitches in their face. Um, is that a spoiler? He, no, I mean, he's on the cover. Of the okay, movie. that's why. That's um, why I thought it was I, okay. Yeah, and and I was vaguely aware that he was going to be in it just because I I bought the movie and that was the cover, <laughs> um, and also I, I knew there were going to be some you know mildly superhuman shenanigans at work. Um, he is introduced into the movie way too early. Um, I would I I would have liked the movie to pretend that he isn't on the poster, and maybe have it be a late game or like mid game reveal, where it's just like oh. Like kind of like uh, you know, barbarian, where it's like, oh, we go into the basement and things change a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it's because I saw that movie not that long ago, but like something like that, where it's like, what we have up to the point where he is like officially involved in the action of the story is is gripping and and is a movie unto itself. I, th- I think it would have been a lot more jarring and a lot more surprising if we weren't even teased his involvement. If just we had the movie leading up to that and then we go into the basement and it's like oh whoa it's a new movie now (laughs) um but at like as it stands the way the movie's edited like he's he's shown to us where we the viewer are aware of his presence even before he's active um i would have preferred an outright surprise but that's just me now i don't know if this is a spoiler but is he always like look like that with the eyes or is that like something that happens within the movie uh, he's always like that. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it looks pretty. It looks pretty cool in terms of just some of the imagery I saw. You might like it, Brad. Like, you might have fun with it just because of how fucking bloody it is, um, and how how savage some of the violence gets. Um, like I said, they know how to do bad guys, and they know how to have bad guys do bad things. Uh, there is there is there is an instance of a person being killed and then being peed on, uh, <laughs> just because you can. <laughs> just just to add insult to injury all right all right <laughs> just, just uh, the closing thoughts <laughs> um <laughs> okay brad 
Well, uh, that's it for Project Wolf Hunting. Uh, what's something else that you watched? I've really only got one other thing that I watched this week, um, and I will mention it was a rewatch. I rewatched a little bit of a connection to the Hurricane Heist, very loose connection, but I rewatched The Mummy, the 1999 or whatever year it was, Mummy, the Brendan Fraser, the first Brendan Fraser Mummy. So not the Tom Cruise one, not the one from the 30s, and not the Rob Cohen one. Um, <laughs> not Tomb of the Dragon. Ever. No, but that will be coming because I did buy the 4K set. Uh, I will say, the 4K set, um, picture quality is okay. It's not Actually, the first one didn't look amazing, but I will say the set itself is a really well-put-together set. Although I have to say, the disc, getting it's like one of those discs that slide down and you pull it out. Like oh, if you're, no. and it is so hard. Like it yeah. is so hard to get it out. Like I was worried I was gonna like crack my disc. Like I, you really have to like pull it to get it out of there. Um, but the set like itself a looks great. Right off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the mummy. I this was a movie I watched quite a bit when I had it on, on VHS when I was like, I don't know, like eight, nine, ten years old, something like that. So it's kind of a movie that. It's hard for me to watch um, from, like, a critical standpoint. It's, like, one of those movies where it's just, like, no, The Mummy was not made. It just exists. Like, there was no, like, it just, it, it always was, it always will be, so you can't critique it. Um, I mean, I, I will say I do like the film. I think it's a pretty clever, like, looking back at it, a clever idea to sort of graft the Indiana Jones sort of like adventure serial kind of thing onto the mummy franchise. I mean, that's a pretty good idea and it, it definitely works. It's much better than putting on like the superhero MCU skin onto the Tom Cruise version, which definitely did not work quite as well. Um, even the like, a little bit of a mission impossible version it didn't, didn't work. Um, but I, uh, I have fun with this one. I think there's some great moments um, I, I like Brendan Fraser in it, although I will say some of the moments where he like yells at the mummy and they do that for comedy and the, not really working for, I remember as a kid thinking that was really funny when the mummy screams at him and he yells back. Um, now it's, it's just sad. It's just sad. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, Rachel, Rachel Weiss, R- Rachel Weiss. Woo. I think uh, she might have awakened something in me when I was watching this at a very uh, early formative age. Um, but no, I, I like the casting. Um, I and yeah, it's just it's a fun kind of adventure film. It, it kind of hits a sweet spot. A little bit of weird structure and pace in the way that the mummy kind of doesn't wake up until like an hour into the movie. It feels like he gets going really late although i do actually prefer pretty much everything before the mummy wakes up like actually like they're the 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 digging in the in the in the tombs and you know the setup of the the american characters like i i think all that is kind of fun and works really well it gets uh, it gets pretty goofy when the mummy is actually brought back to life and i don't like it quite as much um but yeah, it, it 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 works for me. It's uh, it's 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 pretty solid. I I, I had a good time revisiting it. Um, honestly, it was a tough one for me to rate because it probably should be a three point five for me. 
but it's getting a very heavy nostalgia bump up to a four. Like it is like big time nostalgia bump. Like this movie is all nostalgia for me. <laughs> and this was the first time I'd watched it not on VHS. So you could almost say this was like the first time I'd ever seen it. This was like watching it for the very first time. So you didn't get to see it in the theater then? No, I don't I don't think I ever saw it in the theater. I think I saw The Mummy Returns in theaters, I think. Um but I know I didn't see the third one in the theater. I know I missed that one in the theater. Yeah, I, I think a lot of people did. Um, <laughs> I, I most certainly did. I, I saw the first two in the yeah. theater. Um, and it's been a very long time since I've seen the first one. I, I saw The Mummy Returns a couple of years back. We actually reviewed it uh, for like some sort of milestone for Catching Up on Cinema, like a 100th or 150th episode celebration or something. It, it was... It's a movie like both of those first two movies. Um, I think people of a certain age range really have a strong attachment to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a decent amount of the goodwill um, towards Brendan Fraser comes from is just being introduced to, to these movies at a formative age, um, along with many, many other things like what George of the Jungle or Dudley do right or. A personal favorite of mine of his earlier filmography is Blast from the Past, um, along with Airheads. Uh, I really enjoy both of those. A lot of people really love Encino Man, but I actually have not seen that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a lot of people are really, really attached to him from that one. But The Mummy for me was probably you know the earliest, best recollection of being introduced mm-hmm. to him. But um, yeah, the first one's a lot of fun. Uh, it it really does play like a straightforward period action film, uh, action adventure film uh, in the early goings, and I feel like that's a a genre that's somewhat hard to come by these days. Like just adventure is. Yeah. is there's a reason we're still doing Indiana Jones movies is because we really haven't found a successor to that beyond maybe the Mummy movies, <laughs> like like straight up like action treasure hunt movies. Um, that that find that correct balance of being serious when it needs to be being funny like legitimately funny not like written to be funny but not actually funny Mm -hmm. Um, and then you know being a combination of both violence and you know thrills and danger and and stuff like that like mummy has really really solid chemistry Um, and what's more i feel like the the director uh stephen summers was riding kind of high at the time his his later filmography is very spotty i feel like he maybe didn't do so great with uh van helsing um I, as far as i understand that was an incredibly expensive movie i don't imagine it did as well as the studio was hoping um it's not a very good movie <laughs> it's a very very campy movie so if you're in the mood for that you might actually have exactly what you're looking for but it's extremely campy now um, one one of one of the fellas from uh Baz Luhrmann's filmography is in there. Uh, I think it's the bad guy from Moulin Rouge uh, as Dracula. So know what you're getting into before you turn on Van Helsing. But also G.I. Joe, the first G.I. Joe movie, as far as I know, didn't exactly do all that great. And that also isn't a very good movie. Cameo from Brendan Fraser, though. Um, mm, yeah, that's right. But uh, Deep Deep Rising actually uh, immediately precedes uh, The Mummy. And you can actually feel some of the same DNA bleeding over into the mummy. Uh, Cause deep rising, I feel like is a somewhat underrated uh, like action adventure horror monster flick. Like it, it really covers a lot of genres in one go. I really love that movie. Um, underseen as far as I know, not enough people have seen it, but 
it has a very, very similar vibe uh, to The Mummy. Um, so I feel like Stephen Summers, at this point in his career, had a really good feel for how to like how to put together an affable cast and then like not shy away from showing like icky potentially disturbing imagery on the screen in yeah. PG, like a pg-13 ish environment because the mummy movies are fairly grisly honestly yeah, yeah the like nasty shit happens and... to people yeah yeah the scarabs uh it, for the one guy that like ends up running <laughs> he ends up running into the wall or whatever <laughs> i love that bit <laughs> yeah i mean uh do you know like this uh stephen summers guy like what what's what happened to this guy because he hasn't made a movie since odd thomas like i said i, I want to say that maybe both van helsing and gi joe not doing amazing maybe that hurt his his momentum quite a lot um i haven't seen odd thomas but that's a that's an anton yelchin movie um, yeah and and he his star was very much on the rise uh when that came out so I don't imagine it was terrible. Um, so, yeah, I actually don't know. Maybe there is a story there. I, I haven't uncovered it, though. feels like, I mean, maybe he just doesn't want to do this, but it feels like he would probably be at the point in his career where he would probably, like, start directing episodes of television or something, and I'm just surprised that he has not, according to IMDb, has not directed anything since Odd Thomas 10 years ago. It's just uh, very, very strange. He might occupy... A, a, strange place in the Holly in the current Hollywood landscape yeah because when you think of like what so many of the the big movies are these days it's like they're all franchises uh either under you know the comic book umbrella which as as we all know at this point Warner Brothers wants auteurs Marvel wants sock puppets and very clearly he he has enough of a track record that I don't think you could sock puppet him. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like he has a vibe. Like like all these movies that I just listed off, they have a particular tonality to them, um, and they generally deal with ensembles. So I feel like if like Marvel was to court him or something, he'd be like, "Why would I do that? I've I've already done this, but I did it my way, and now you're now you're telling me I can't. So why why are you talking to me?" Mm-hmm. when you could easily be talking to someone else who this is their first time at bat and they don't have a track record or something. Um, so I feel like, like maybe his price tag is, is a, is a weird number where it's like, he, he has too much clout where it's like, yeah, like we can't lowball him. Um, but it's not so high that it would bring prestige to the studio just to put his name on the marquee. So it's just like, what do we do with this guy? He's too expensive. Um, but he's not famous enough. <laughs> he also, um, at least listed on IMDb, he uh, and we all know how reliable of a source of information that can be, um, <laughs> he is listed as the director of the video footage uh, used in the Universal Roller Coaster Revenge of the Mummy, The Ride. So maybe he gets a cut of everybody, every ticket sold that goes on that ride. I mean, this guy... This guy could be raking in big bucks. Actually. Yeah, maybe that counts as an exhibition of, of the film. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. I never knew. I, I'll have to go on that ride again because uh, I thought the, the the footage used in it uh, is one of the worst aspects of that ride. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> maybe knowing that it, it is directed by Stephen Summers, maybe I'll have a newfound appreciation for it. Yeah, on the subject of rides, uh, a while back I actually went out of my way to look up like a, 
a cam footage of uh, the Terminator 2 uh, ride mm. from back in the day mm-hmm. um, just to see what the deal was because it's it's known that James Cameron shot the footage for it and at the time it was known for being a state like stage extravaganza like it was a big deal like it was a really big deal a uh, big theme park attraction uh, that I never got to see um, and it was apparently extremely expensive as well um, it's maybe if you were in the room for it it was pretty fucking cool but yeah. like uh, just watching it on a shitty youtube cam feed or something it's like what the fuck what's the point of that <laughs> yeah it can be tough to judge if it's lame just because you're watching it on youtube or if it's just actually lame in general um i think it was a little cheesy but just the novelty factor of seeing arnold and and edward furlong like actually doing it uh, like around the time the the terminator 2 movie like sh- a few years after terminator 2 like it's kind of interesting just it's a nice little artifact from a bygone age but um yeah i wonder if J- james cameron got a cut of all the all the screenings of that as well not like he needs it i'm this he is a businessman as much as a filmmaker so uh i'm sure he did i'm sure he he i'm sure he did <laughs> yeah i i'm sure I'm sure he was very careful with the paperwork. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, the mummy uh, just added onto the Brendanessance. Got to get ready for this guy. Uh, I mean, who? I don't know. I I thought he was a lock for the Oscar in a few weeks, but it's Austin Butler guy. He's been he's been tearing it up. But we'll see. We'll see. Well, if you had to make a pick right here and now, Brad, who's he going to be? Ah, boy, that's it's tough because. You know, my brain is saying Austin Butler. He's winning all the other awards, but I don't know. It, it just feels like that's the that could be the surprise of the year that Brendan would win for the whale. Like, just I feel like there's just so much goodwill towards him. But also, Rami Malek won for Bohemian Rhapsody, and I actually think Austin Butler is better in Elvis. So I better stick with Elvis. Actually, <laughs> Oof. yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean. Yeah. Apparently, this is the whole month of talking about scumbags, but Brian Singer's name is still on that movie, correct? Yes, yes, yeah. Although, I, yeah. I think he did get fired in, before it was finished or whatever, but yeah, yeah he did uh, direct. I think so, yeah. Yeah, his name is still the credited director. Yeah, I, I had to see that on a shitty date, and it was it was really awkward in the theater. She like wanted to hold hands, and I was like, "Why?" <laughs> like, it's like, it was her idea yeah. too. You were wanting to stomp and clap for "We Will Rock You." You're like, "I'm not holding your hand. We're about to rock, baby. Let's go!" No, like everything in that movie that wasn't them crafting the songs. Like if they weren't in the studio, I did not care. Yeah. And also the whole time I was thinking about the the one character who is framed as like kind of like the Yoko Ono of the group or something Mm -hmm. like i was like that's a real person like like they're really making him out to be like an evil son of a bitch (laughs) i was like i'm sure that like that guy might still be alive (laughs) like (laughs) like, this movie is making him look like a shit heel yeah (laughs) yeah yeah the only reason that movie was any good was because of the music of queen which is of course great i mean obviously you know you could say this about a lot of things but if you took out their music and replaced it with like a shittier band the movie would be horrible absolutely horrible <laughs> no it was it was dull as dishwater yeah. like i said the only parts of it where i was engaged was when they were when they were in the studio like watching that process was kind of interesting and it helps that um john ottman 
uh, I think he was the editor on that. He he's tightly connected with Brian Singer, noted scumbag. Um, and John Ottman holds the distinction of being both a, a, a composer of music as well as an editor, and he often pulls double duty. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he was instrumental in like the editing of those sequences, being as those are both of his specialities. Mm-hmm. Um, that part was interesting. The rest of it, I was like, oh my god, what is this? <laughs> I'm so bored, and you, I'm really not into this gal. <laughs> you got out of the movie, and your your date was like, so what did you think of the movie? And you were like, I don't ever want to see it again. Yeah, yeah, we were walking back in the car, and she was going on and on about the one guy being, like, a physicist or something. I was like, that's nice. Great. <laughs> you go home now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> get home, get. <laughs> yeah, your reaction. Yeah. yeah. Precisely. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anything else to say about the mummy? Nope, that, that should do it for me. Okay, well, I'm not going to drag things out here, but I'll just uh, throw out uh, that I have been uh, re-watching quite a lot of the Rocky movies, as well as the Creed films, uh, eagerly in anticipation for Creed 3, uh, which I probably will be going to see tomorrow. Nice. Um, as of this recording date, it's an advanced screening in IMAX. Uh, I've only ever seen one IMAX film, so this is still a very new experience for me. Uh the story goes that the movie actually was shot in IMAX, uh, so this is the appropriate exhibition format for it. So I'm, I'm really, in, I'm really hyped. Um, I don't know what I'm going to be getting. Uh, a lot of the drama uh, surrounding the movie has me very uh, nervous and somewhat upset. Um, all the business with Stallone. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but he's been feuding with the producers, and yeah. it's it's ugly. It's 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 really painful, actually. Like it, it makes me upset uh, to read about it um, on all fronts. But I've uh, been really enjoying watching those movies. Um, I've had a really good excuse to do so as well uh, because the girlfriend has not seen them. Uh, so this is me getting a chance to rewatch them as well as introduce them. Now, you her. joking? <laughs> She's a little bit younger and she doesn't she doesn't have that much background with films. Uh, so it's my it falls to me. Uh, to make her watch movies like Rocky Five, <laughs> it's it's my duty. By the way, she didn't hate it. I was really surprised she didn't wow. she didn't hate Rocky Five. She was like, that was pretty good, and she likes all of them. And she's falling wow. head over heels for Rocky. Uh, there's a, a, a Japanese animated film I watched called uh, Arion uh, from 1986. Uh, it looks like it's from 1986. Uh, the people who know will know what that means. Um, it, it was okay, uh, only. Only real novelty factor comes in the form of the plot bearing some resemblance to the God of War uh, video games, um, in that it's about some uh, not part of Greek mythology, like totally fabricated for this product character, just showing up on the scene and wrecking the shit of all all of your favorite gods and goddesses. It's it it feels weird, man, watching like noted mythological figures get offed by this random kid where it's like oh fuck hades just ate shit (laughs) it's like oh shit apollo too it's like oh shit like he's taking them all out uh that was kind of interesting um but on the whole it's kind of dull and it only looks like the animation quality is only great occasionally it's mostly kind of like middle of the road so it i wouldn't recommend it 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 was mostly just the novelty watch but um 
Last thing I'll say, uh, I guess, is that I watched uh, and blind bought uh, Hobo with a Shotgun. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I'd never seen it. Uh, but, of course, I was aware of it. Uh, it came out in 2011. As far as I understand, it was born from the fake trailer featured in the Grindhouse films. Um, it stars Rutger Hauer. And the director's name eludes me at the moment. Um, but, uh, oh, Jason Eisner. Um Part of the reason why I ended up watching it is because his next film, I don't know if he has many films. Uh, it may be one and two, honestly. Um, it, one of his next films came out very recently. I think it's uh, Kids vs. Aliens. Uh, it might be on Shutter or something. I haven't seen that, but I caught a trailer for it, and it looked like a lot of fun. Uh, and I was impressed with the stylism uh, apparent. Like, like Clearly the man has an eye for visuals. It's apparent in Hobo with a Shotgun, um, I don't know about writing as being one of his strengths, um, but uh, the man knows how to shoot and edit a film. Uh, the man does not shy away from gore. Uh, and that's all I really wanted from Hobo with a Shotgun. And it, it delivered. Uh, it has a vibe. Uh, it's blood soaked. Uh, I really love Rutger Hauer and pretty much anything he does. I'm kind of bummed that uh, I think the 4K of The Hitcher uh, is probably going to be a UK exclusive. Uh, because as far as I know, that movie has found difficulty obtaining re-release in, in our region. Uh, and as such, I still haven't seen it. Uh, but it's one of his more famous performances. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed Hobo with a Shotgun. And I I don't know. I, I think I would check out Kids vs. Aliens um, if I had a Shutter subscription, which I don't. Yeah, um, I just looked up that Kids vs. Aliens. I didn't know that. Yeah, this uh, Jason Eisner guy, he, he's only done two feature films, but he did a few um, shorts in between, and he did uh, one of the shorts was in VHS 2, the alien slumber party abduction uh, segment he did, and I guess apparently it says this is a feature-length adaptation of that uh, short. That's at least what it says on Wikipedia. Um, the poster feels very tonally different from that, but... Um, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, the the poster art for that movie is not great. Yeah, if I'm being honest, it's it's the alien like grabbing the kid in the water, right? Uh, that's not what I'm on Wikipedia. It was like more like a Stranger oh. Things kind of like. Oh, uh, the one I'm thinking about, I think, is actually the Blu-ray cover that was recently published. Okay. Yeah, this one. Um, I mean, so it's, maybe there's a better poster. It's fine. It's just kind of kind of generic, um, but. Uh, yeah, I've only seen Hobo with Shotgun once, but I did, uh, I did like it. I liked how, was it, I can't remember, was it you that said recently, like, somebody was talking about, I I think it must have been your show, um, where you're talking about the Grindhouse movies and comparing this to Machete and saying how this one was much more, uh, like, it took its premise pretty straight, you know, it wasn't, like, jokey like Machete is. I know I mentioned Machete uh, recently, but I don't I don't remember tying it in with Hobo with a Shotgun. Um, but I yeah, don't know I, where I I, I I just absorb this information, <laughs> and sometimes it's from you, sometimes it's from other people, and so I don't know. I I I, I absorb it, but I never remember where it comes from. But no, I I would say that that's pretty accurate. Uh, it does hew pretty serious like it does take itself fairly seriously even though it's completely absurd mm-hmm. um machete I, I remember just missing a little something like it, it it 
kind of on the right track they just they just didn't stick the landing with it i've seen yeah. that exactly once and i didn't see the second one yeah I didn't although either. i have i have several reasons to um marco's aurora uh, apparently has a villain role in that one um and uh, he's a Chile- he's a chilean uh, martial arts martial artist slash actor who's actually going to be in john wick 4 i'm very excited to see what they do with him hopefully they don't fuck it up <laughs> um, but he is he is apparent uh, in the trailers for that one so i'm hoping he gets a, a meaty role in that one um but yeah i haven't seen machete too but a hobo with a shotgun was it was fun i i i enjoyed it i i i enjoyed the style of it i did like that uh it continues the long-standing tradition of blood-soaked foul-mouthed canadian action horror films they they have a vibe man like yeah. like they're they they're very loose with those swears like everybody speaks like fucking sailors and uh, yeah they don't shy away from the the gore effects and uh, they really make it known what you're going to be getting into uh, the first few minutes in when they have one of the trailer park boys run out and get offed. And it's just like, oh, okay, we're yeah. we're we're thoroughly in the dumpster in this one. <laughs> like we have our we have our heads in the gutter. <laughs> we're never going to take them out. Um, so yeah, not a, not a bad experience at all. I, I yeah. thought it looked nice. I, I thought I thought a lot of care and attention and detail was put into the execution of the gore and the violence and stuff. I wish I wish they had asked more of Rutger Hauer, um, but you know he's in it. He does his thing. I, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, real quick, I don't have anything else that I watched, but I do want to just mention something to you, and I meant to text you a picture of this or whatever but um in our last tales from the shelf everybody go check that out um we so i don't i don't even remember how it came up to be honest you you might remember but the subject of ultra q came up the oh, yeah. show yeah, yeah. ultra q well uh you know i got a email from best buy and you know i'm trying to save money and i get an email from best buy and they say hey we're giving you a five dollar reward certificate but you got to use it in five days. And I'm like, oh, all right, well, I'm trying to save money, so I, I got to use this five dollar reward certificate. I got, I got to go, you know, I got to go spend some money and use that, that's saving money, right? So I go to Best Buy, and my plan was to get Reservoir Dogs, the 4K. I'm like, I've been meaning to get that, so I do get that. But while I'm there, I notice uh, on sale uh, the Ultra Q Complete Series, and I said, oh, this is a, this is a sign. I got to pick this up. It was. Uh, Apparently normally priced at like fifty bucks, but it was uh fourteen ninety nine. So I'm like, well, geez, even if I hate this thing, I mean, I guess I'll pick it up. I'll go check it out. I mean, the way you described it seemed like it would be something up my alley, and uh, I said, let's do it. Like you know, bye bye bye. Well, you've opened a very dangerous door, uh, sir. <laughs> um, the uh, the the ultra series is is vast. Um, it continues to this day. Um, hopefully, that's where your journey ends. Because, um, yeah, that's uh, my plan. <laughs> that's my plan. <laughs> Although yeah, um, they did have Ultraman, they, uh, like I, whatever is there. They had like they had Ultraman the complete series. Does that make sense? Like for the same yeah, price? Yeah. Like I don't know how many yeah. episodes they had that too. And I was like, you know, I'm trying to save money, but if I'm getting Ultra Q, should I also get Ultraman? They're both on sale. You know, should I go? I didn't. I didn't go that far, but I was close. I was close. Now, see, I'll point something out to you that, you know, our listeners can't be involved in because they can't see this. So sorry if this is boring as shit for you folks, but um, you probably got the right version of it. I think that's the Steelbook, correct? Yes. 
So one thing that uh, they did with the non-steelbook versions of these, and, and this is why I say you 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 were you protected yourself. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh The spines, Mister Brad. Do you see how they form a a continual image there? Yeah, yeah. If you put them side by side by side by side, like that is if you collect them all, got to catch them all, mm-hmm. um, you form the complete image. So if you put this on your shelf with the spine facing out, it just look you just get a hand. Oh, yeah. It's just that... a hand. Yeah. It looks terrible. But if you have them both, you know, it, it looks it looks kind of cool. It's, just, it's like, oh, the hand's connected to somebody. <laughs> That's Ultraman. I know him. I bought his box set. Yeah, not <laughs> but if you got the steel book, I think it's just like a it's just like a red spine, correct? Yeah, it does say series one because I guess they're counting each Ultra series or whatever. You can put some electrical tape on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't have much of an issue with that. I, I I thought it looked like a nice little set and it was super cheap, so I said. You know, I could watch them on Tubi for free. I did check that out beforehand, but I was like, you know, Tubi has ads, and I value my time, so I'll uh, I'll spend the fifteen bucks on this this bad boy. Hey, you might have some fun with it. I mean, it, it's it's black and white. It's it's sci-fi slash horror. It, it's, it's it's very cozy. Yeah, uh, I, I find it very very watchable. So that's, that's very cool, Brad. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad you got your Reservoir uh, Dogs uh, 4K as well. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Best Buy. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. Thank you, Best Buy. <laughs> um, okay, so I, I guess that uh, wraps up our micro-reviews and as well as the episode. Uh, so uh, I will thank you, Brad, for joining me on your show. <laughs> uh, so thanks for collaborating with me here. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's kind of fun uh assuming the driver's seat role um in someone else's program so this this episode will be published on both of our feeds so if you listen to both of our shows sorry (laughs) um only one episode this week um but yeah uh before we go brad would you care to uh let your listeners know where they can find you on the show that you that they're currently listening to yeah you know gotta gotta get those plugs in get that get that sweet uh sweet money uh no um you can find us uh anywhere you listen to podcasts it's the cinema speak podcast we're on itunes stitcher spotify uh we are also on twitter at the cinema speak on instagram as cinema speak podcast and on youtube as cinema speak and uh find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com all right, nicely said, and uh, here comes the fun part where I get to poke Brad about. So that YouTube channel, Brad, <laughs> That's you right. got anything in the pipe? Did I even mention the YouTube? I can't even remember. I, did I, did I, I think you that? did. Okay, I think you did. Right. If you didn't, he has a YouTube. Pump it right. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean... There's a video. There's a video that's been planned for a while. It's just uh, finding the time to edit it. But maybe uh, this could be the week. This could be the week. I don't have much going on this week. Maybe maybe I'll start working on it. Another unboxing video that people are dying for. A two-month-old unboxing video. (laughs) Uh, So what you're telling me right now is that the video currently exists uh, solely as raw pink meat. Absolutely, 100%. (laughs) Raw pink meat! (laughs) It has not yet been edited. It has not gone through post. Therefore, it is not a finished video yet. But someday, someday it'll be a real boy. Real baby, in fact. Oh, shit. <laughs>
Okay, uh, as for myself and my program, uh, Catching Up on Cinema, you can find all of our episodes, most of our episodes, some of our episodes. The website's having issues, but you can find it on catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find me on the social medias in the form of the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. And the podcast is available on pretty much every platform you can imagine, including Bitcade. Uh, so fucking Google it. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel as well. Uh, Brad uh, co-stars on it monthly when we do our Tales from the Shelf uh, live streams now. Uh, so check that out uh, probably a month from now. Uh, but that being said, uh, thank you so much for joining us, and we will catch you next time.